Praise God. Psalm 16. Let's read, and, uh, and we'll get back into this, uh, this series that we've been in for a little bit. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Praise God. Aren't you glad for the joy and pleasure of the Lord? His presence is chock full of it. And, uh, and as we live in His presence, then of course we become full of joy and pleasure. If you've had enough of that, then stay away from God. <laughs> if you like to be miserable, <laughs> sad, down, depressed, then, then stay away from Him, most definitely, because He'll ruin your life. He'll ruin your sad self. And... Uh, and, and turn things completely around. But if you enjoy enjoying, if you like to be happy and to be fulfilled and experience great contentment in your, in your life, hang around Him. Be around the Lord on an ongoing, continual basis, and you'll find there'll be an increase. Uh, more and more and more of joy and pleasure, and one day you'll stand before Him and uh, think, mm, man, there isn't anything better than this. And uh, praise God. So we've been talking about, uh, in this series of messages, uh, about finding the good life, uh, extreme happiness, ecstasy, and contentment in God. Uh, Although when we say that, when we say we find all these things in the Lord, uh, not some religious version of Him. All right? Many people have come to a religious version of Jesus, and, and it's not completely accurate and not completely uh, correct in, 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 in theology and in view and vision, and then it, also then it'll translate into experience, all right? There are some reasons to be right. There are some reasons to discover truth, okay? Not so we can boast, you know, as the scripture says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. We don't want to be right just so we can say we're right and you're wrong, <laughs> And, uh, and, and for any motive like that, I want to be right so I can uh, accurately experience God in the way that He really is. Okay, if I see Him incorrectly, I'll s- settle in my life for a subpar existence. But if I see Him the way He is, if I know what Jesus has done for me, then I will set my eyes on the full uh, maximum potential of what a human being born of the, in, into the life of God, connected to the Father of love and light and glorious power, what that can be. I, I mean, what do you think that can be? Huh? I, I say, I want, the, I want the full expression of God in my life. And too many times, be, you know, because God's a perfect gentleman, He'll not force Himself upon us. Too many self, times we have a limited experience because what we see, what we believe, what we think about the Lord is just not either accurate or it's not complete. And so that's why, you know, we see in Scripture, New Testament prayers are not so much, Lord, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, right? Uh, But New Testament prayers are, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding, open my heart enable me to comprehend and perceive the realities of who you are and what you've done for me and my place seated with Christ. Praise God. And that's why when we pray along those lines, oh, I tell you, now we can start walking with him and experiencing him. And I know sometimes people are in a mode, they say, well, 
you know, that all sounds nice and good and all these heavenly things that you talk about, but I just have struggling to pay my bills and, you know, I fight with my kids and, and uh, you know, got these issues and that and those issues. Listen, I understand that. And I, re- I realize those are real present conditions and things that people live in. I also believe this, that drawing near to the Lord and experiencing His best will solve most of those things without even uh, you know, without even trying. Most of that stuff gets fixed in the middle of a dynamic relationship with God. Okay? It doesn't mean that we can't address it. And the Bible certainly does give us principles for all these areas of life. We're going to talk about some of them today as well. But if I can begin from a foundation of, of, of having a relationship with God and having an experience with God where I'm full of His joy and pleasure continually, I'm a lot nicer you know what I'm talking about? I'm a lot better husband and father and, and pastor and friend and citizen and all these things when I'm full of the joy and pleasure of God. I have a feeling you'll be nicer too. Huh? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking to you today. You could be a lot nicer than you are. And so uh, if we think about these things, and I, I, I kind of think in a logical format, and some of the things we've covered, when I, when, I, when I consider the question about how we can be happy, how we can be content and, and fulfilled, uh, I would say it this way. Number one, we need to recognize the source of our happiness. In other words, our belief and our focus in God, in accuracy, must be there. Secondly, we must be content with what we have. In other words, what we have in Him. See it right, and then be satisfied in that completely. Then I'm not looking to the world. I'm not looking to the flesh for for contentment. I'm not going after the next big thing to finally make me happy and and content in life. All right? Uh, How how can we be happy? Remember, Jesus said that we should lose our life. He said, if you'll lose it, you'll find it. When you forget about you... Now is when happiness really begins. Hallelujah. Live for something bigger and better. Live for Jesus. And, and, then, and here's another point I want to talk about a little bit today. About expectations. All right. How can I be happy and content and fulfilled? I need to adjust my expectations. I don't mean lower expectations because I'm big into lifting and elevating and, and, and making my expectations higher. Uh, but sometimes people have unrealistic expectations. I want to have my expectations based in reality. Not the reality of my past or the life in this physical world, but the reality of the kingdom of God. Okay? But if I have expectations that are out of line, then I'll end up disappointed. Look with me at the, at the Proverbs. You're close there in Psalms. Uh, Proverbs 13. Proverbs, the 13th chapter. Notice with me over here in the 12th verse. 13 and 12. Highlight it, underline it. It reads, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Why do people sometimes have a sick heart? And I don't think of sick in this case as being like a disease, but sick as in that sick feeling. 
that discontent, that disappointment, that uh, lack of joy and pleasure. Well, why do they get that way? When hope is deferred, is delayed, when they don't see what they expected to see. Everybody with me now? Hope is a word that means a confident and favorable expectation. When I'm expecting something to be a certain way, when I'm expecting my life to be a certain way and look a certain way, and that does not happen, then I've got to deal with a heart that says, ah, I'm disappointed. I ha- have a sick heart. I am, I am not a happy camper, if you read it from a different translation that I'm not aware of. Uh, And so your level of expectation compared to your reality is the degree of disappointment you will have in life. Everybody with me now? I expect here, but then I experience here. Let's put a number for the audio listeners. I I expect 10, but my life is 5, then my disappointment is 5. And that, that will continually be there. What I want to have is a manifestation of what I expect, but my expectations then must be accurate. They must be in line with God and His Word and His promise and so forth. And if I can get my expectations set in the right place, not have unrealistic expectations, but real in God, then I believe God to fulfill those. I'm satisfied right there. My life is full. I have no sick heart. Okay? So expectation then uh, must be based upon something solid, something concrete, something that is real. And anything that God has said is real. I mean, heaven and earth and all the universe hang on the very words of God. Everything will blow away, but not the words of the Lord because they're here to stay. And if I will base my expectations on something that is true in Him, the reality of God, then I have a solid foundation. Okay, if I haven't yet experienced it, yeah, that's not fulfilling, but I can keep my expectation on him until everything he said is, is manifest in my life. All right, the key here is not to expect nothing good. Say, that's the answer. I'll just lower my expectations to zero. Then I'll never be disappointed. Yeah, big fat zero, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to be a zero. I don't want to have nothing. No, that's not what God intended for us. He gave us his, uh, you know, good and precious promises so that we could believe him and we could expect good things to happen in our life. We just want to adjust them to give ourselves an, a chance to succeed. Okay, so what are your expectations? And I've chosen just some various examples of areas where people sometimes have expectations that are out of line and therefore produce some, uh, you know, disappointments in their life. How about love and marriage? Love and marriage. You know, whenever we do uh, counseling, premarital counseling for those who want to be married, one of the primary focuses, one of the things we have to discuss a lot is expectations that the couple has for their marriage going forward, right? How many of you, sometimes people, maybe you were there, uh, uh, but before you got married, you had some idea in your mind of what marriage was supposed to be, what it ought to be, and it might not have been based in reality, and we find many times that people's uh, expectations of those those relationships are not based in reality. Well, if they're not, 
then how many know after the honeymoon's over, <laughs> real life sets in. You know, you know they say, they say uh, a honeymoon is a dream and marriage is the alarm clock, right? <laughs> uh, but if people don't have a proper expectation of what, that what marriage is to be, then they're likely going to be disappointed. And there's, that's where sometimes people, you know, either suffer for a long time or they check out in the, in the midst of it. But we should not get our, uh, in this area, how many know we should not get our expert expectations from movies? Do we, we do realize they're not real. There's a reason they're called actors. And they're highly skilled at their profession, many of them. And that's why they paint such a, oftentimes a wonderful love story and, and all these movies out there that, that, that paint the way that things, you know, are in that writer's mind. But then people who are single look at that and they think, oh, that's what marriage is. Why does this movie oftentimes end right when they get married? <laughs> and that's the end. That's, it's, it's over. Because that's not life. Huh? That's the beginning. <laughs> and uh, anyway, people, how many know those actors, uh, the vast majority of them, cannot even duplicate what they act on screen in their own life? And they know the lines. You know what I'm talking about? They know what to say in this situation. Say this. I mean, they could, they could, and they could fake it <laughs> and be pretty convincing. But so often as we, as we see what happens in relationships from, in Hollywood is most of them are a disaster. Uh, the vast majority of them are, you know, just multiple marriage after marriage after marriage. And, you know, and they're very oftentimes very beautiful people and very talented and often very wealthy. They got a lot of advantages, and yet they're unable to do this. Uh, and so let's not, get our, let's not get our instruction there. What do you say? Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of times what people, what people saw and they, what they did, what they experienced in the world before they got saved, sometimes they base their expectations there. I said, oh, well, I, this is how relationships work, and this is how sex is, and this is how, relation, how men and women relate to each other. And, and uh, listen, when you get saved, how many know you should throw most of that out the window? And you should start saying, Lord, let, why don't you help me to get your vision of this and help this be redefined for a Christian marriage and life. It's because people go in with expectations that their spouse are going to do, do certain things, and they're going to act a certain way, and, and, uh, and it's not always altogether biblical and right. And what, what's it doing is it's setting people up to have, uh, you know, unfulfilled ex expectations. Then they're going to be disappointed. And, you know, don't, you don't expect your spouse to act like your friend's spouse. Well, I bought my friend and they act this way and she does this for him or he does this for her. Well, you're not marrying that person. Right? Or you're not married to that person. You're married to a unique person that is yours. And so, you know, uh, where we get our expectations really can make a big difference to, as to our fulfillment in life. All right? So love and marriage is one of, those, uh, one of those examples. What about finances? Sometimes people struggle and, and they have great disappointments in the financial arena because even with all the promises of God, we get them out of whack sometimes. Now, now how many know that God has promised 
uh, prosperity. I mean, there are so many scriptures about that, it's not even funny how God has promised to bless us and increase us and prosper us in so many ways. And anyone who says different, they're just caught up in some kind of religious poverty bondage. All right. That's all over scripture. The Lord wants us to prosper. But how many know uh, that we, you know, you can have a false expectation as to how that's going to play out even in your own life. And many Christians have have come to that. Sometimes it's been a result of some, uh, you know, preaching that has promised things in such a way where if you'll give today by Friday, you'll be out of debt you know, by Friday, you'll have a million bucks in your account. And, you know, especially if you give in numbers that are like in numbers of seven or something. You know, like if you give, if you'll give 77 or 777 or really 7,777, that's when it'll really flow your way. Uh, and sometimes things have been presented wrong, they've been manipulative and all kinds of things. Uh, and, and, you know, and then individuals, they start with a sincere heart. They think, hey, this is my answer. I'm going to give to the Lord and by Friday I'm going to be completely out of debt and everything's going to be turned around in my life. And, and, and what verse is that based on, though? Huh? Now, we can talk, and you know, we've done lots of teaching on this subject and will again, but what verse is it that by Friday everything's going to turn around? I think that's sometimes where we get into trouble. We ex- have an expectation that, hey, I gave an offering today. And, and don't get me wrong, I've seen, I've seen situations where people immediately get blessed and things get paid off in a quick manner. But the general approach to our finances and trusting God for blessing and increase is... Uh, is this, that we should expect the Lord to meet our needs, to exceed our needs and fulfill our desires, but not necessarily where we've mapped it out and said, Lord, I gave an offering today, so by the time I get home, there better be something in the mailbox, you know, to turn this thing around. I just, in my experience, both personally and in, in, in ministering to others, there are, most of the time, it doesn't happen that way. But when I see people who trust God, follow His Spirit, they give, they honor Him with their first, their tithes, and they, they give offerings and stuff, what we see is when they trust Him over time, they increase. Now, certainly there's exceptions of some blips that are like, bam, sudden increase, and sudden things get happen when people are increased quickly. But the general rule is the, the body of Christ is blessed over time. It's as the psalmist said, they increase more and more. Amen. What, what can my expectation be for my prosperity, for my, for my life? Well, uh, it should be that God will prosper me, that He'll bless my life, that He'll bless me financially and in every other way. And, uh, but I don't, have to put a, I don't have to put a buy this Friday on it. I'm trusting God that as I give, it comes back to me. That he gives me opportunities and opens doors and gives me wisdom. And I take the whole counsel of God, not just one scripture. Huh? Not just an inspired message and say, well, blam, I'm going to give it all. Well, if the Lord told you to give it all, then certainly obey him. But, you know, I'm not necessarily because I got inspired in a service, uh, just going to sell the farm and just give it away. Not unless, not unless that would be a real direct revelation of God. I'm going to give as I'm led, 
I'm going to give in obedience to the word. I want to take the full counsel of what God said in his, in, in his scripture. You know, years ago, I did, a, I did a sermon series. I did a teaching series called How to Go Broke. Anybody remember that? Many of you weren't with us yet at that point. But how to go broke. The Bible tells you exactly how, you, how to go broke. Yeah, you can follow the principles in the Word of God, or you can do the reverse and, uh, and, and actually benefit. And it's not just about one verse. It's not, about, not just about, well, just give in the offering, and everything financially will be set from here on out. I know a lot of people who give in the offering and are stupid with their finances. Can I? Is that too... Uh, I mean, just spend like crazy people and make unwise uh, spending choices. And sure, their giving is right, but that's not the only part of the equation. Everybody with me today? All right. And so, uh, you know, do you expect a hundredfold return on all your giving? I know some who really push that, but think about it for a moment. And I, I know there's some scriptures where we're not looking at everything in detail today. I think there's some qualifications and there's some situations where those things apply. If a person got a hundredfold return on all of their giving, it would not be very long until they owned everything on the planet. Really? I mean, you do the math. Hmm. I mean, if you made a thousand dollars this week and you tithe, you gave a hundred off your thousand, and then and then what's a hundredfold of that? 10,000? <laughs> uh, I don't know either. Uh, uh, 10,000, and then they, you know, you gave a tithe, you gave a thousand of that, and then, and then that turned the next week into 100,000, right? And then you gave that and, and uh, gave that $10,000 tithe, and then the next, that would be a million. And then you gave $100,000 off that, and, and then you had 10 million. I, I mean, by the end of the year, you own the world. I mean, it starts multiplying really, really quick. And, 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 and so you can do what you want with this, but I'm just telling you this. I'm not every time we give, and we give all the time. We give regularly. We give a lot here, and we give to other places as well. But I'm not saying, Lord, thank you for a hundredfold return on this, on this gift. You know why I'm not doing that? Well, I don't see it clear in Scripture that that applies to all of my giving. All right? And every, every dime I put in the offering. Secondly, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I don't want to be that disappointed when I don't own the world by the end of the month. I want to have faith that is continually in God. And, and bottom line, when we, I come back around to a lot of this stuff, my joy and pleasure and satisfaction is not found in anything I have anyway. And I believe in uh, many times people in, in pursuing the return on their giving and, and prosperity in that way, they are violating the very first and primary principle of prosperity. You know what it is? It's seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then we flip into a mode where only the only thing we're seeking is the stuff and not the kingdom. And that just blew this whole plan out of the water. See, I find my satisfaction, contentment in the advancement of the kingdom. In that context, I'm increased. In that context, I'm blessed. But you know, it's, it's really not that important either. Because I'm so completely satisfied and, and thrilled with drinking from the river of God's pleasure. 
being intoxicated on him, being sloshed in the glory, and just getting filled up again and again and again and again. Hey. <laughs> Amen. Don't expect to win the lottery, by the way. Why? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I'm believing God to win the lottery. Based on what verse? What promise? Huh? If the Lord gives you the numbers, then go ahead and play. Amen. And remember where you go to church. <laughs> but if he doesn't give you the numbers, man, that's, <laughs> that's your own thinking. I was praying and I felt like I should buy the lottery tickets. All right. How'd that turn out? If you didn't lose, then you'd le- learn. If you didn't win, then you learned something about following the Spirit. How your own desires and emotions can be involved. And you misinterpreted that, right? What about, what about like our, our, our physical lives, our physical bodies? You know, sometimes people, have their expectations there. Because, you know, we're going to talk long and loud and continually about by His stripes we are healed. I mean, we had fun this last Wednesday night at our healing meeting. Glory to God. <laughs> I mean, the healing rivers were flowing. And uh, praise God for that. But how many know this? We still live in a fallen world. All right. Now, now what am I saying about this? Well, when a person's 75, they're not going to look like they're 25. No matter how much faith you have. No matter how much you believe God and by His stripes you're healed and power of God and the anointing and all these good things, uh, we're still in, in, in this fallen world that is a result of sin. It's not God's best. We're supposed to live forever. The body regenerates itself and we live forever, but sin has come in and these bodies aren't going to last. And one of these days we get new ones, glorified ones, and that's, that's, that's uh, going to change everything forever. But in the meantime... Should we believe for health and trust God for health and longevity of life? Absolutely. Uh, Until you're a hundred and whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Live long, live strong. There's healing for your body. It'll sustain you. It'll lift you. It'll repair you, fix you, no matter what's going on. But still, we're going to grow older. And so expectations that, hey, I'm going to be able to run the marathon when I'm a hundred. More power to you if you can. Amen. What, 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 about, what about church? Sometimes people have disappointments in life because of church. Why? Expectations that, are that, that it ought to be something other than, than what it is. Okay? And people approach a, a church relationship, a pastor, the body of Christ, uh, all these things with certain expectations. And if they're not met, then they're disappointed they live unfulfilled, but some of those expectations are, uh, need to be changed, all right, because they're not based in reality. Do, you, know, you know, do you expect your church to meet all of your needs? Well, my needs aren't being met there. Well, whoever said they were supposed to be? What verse was that? Huh? Because you could be on a long hunt for a church that's just going to meet all of your needs. That sounds like, you know, entitlement mentality anyway. What happened to your personal relationship with God? What happened to being focused on meeting the needs of others? (laughs) Hallelujah. Do you expect church to entertain you like a movie? 
Well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't admit that, but we're, we live in a big entertainment society. And if something isn't always entertaining and fast-moving and, and all this stuff, I realize what I'm doing now goes against the, the, the makeup of, you know, of our minds. We, just to sit and watch someone speak or listen to someone speak without shoot them up and blow them up and drama and video and high-tech and everything else. And, and sometimes people check out, well, it's just talking. Well... It's amazing what God ordained to be freeing for, for the masses of His creation. That people would be changed through the preaching of the gospel. That He would take words and ignite a fire in someone. But, uh, you know, church isn't supposed to entertain you like a movie would. Or, or do you, ex- you know, expect church to be perfect in every way? Do you expect your pastor to never say anything you disagree with? <laughs> or to say it in a way that we know, you know, I, I think sometimes we have, we, if we set our expectations up so high, all we're doing is, is saying, setting ourselves up for disappointment. Because there's, I'm not going to do everything right. I know that. I've been around me long enough. And, uh, and say everything in a way. And you know how that works. Sometimes you do something, you think, man, I wish I would have done that this way. I wish I would have said it this way. And, and uh, how many know the body of Christ is to be known for love? and grace, and compassion, and, and, and mercy, and all these things. But sometimes, you know, people think church is going to be like some convention they went to. I went to this seminar, I went to this, this meeting, and this happened, and, and that's not happening at my church. Well, is it supposed to? You know, is, is, is a church supposed to do every good thing possible for a church to do? They're not. Our church is not called to do everything that another church might do. And they're not called to do everything that we might do. God does give certain assignments to different groups. Now, some things, of course, are the same. We're all preach the gospel and make disciples and, and do all these things. But that has various outlets in different ways. And one of the things that I've seen over many years is of because we live in such a transient society and people move, people go here, people go there. And uh, I've seen individuals who have come to church, but they moved from another state and their life was really changed. They got saved, their, their life was impacted, they were radically changed in another place, in a certain church. And the way that that group did church, everything from saying hi at the door to the music, to the message, to the outreaches, to the programs, that became synonymous with God. Synonymous with God's way. This is the only way, and that's the only way they knew, and their life was changed, and I'm so happy, and I'm so thrilled, and I found the Lord through this group, that when, then, then they'll move. By the way, uh, in meditating on this in my office this morning, uh, I know we, like I said, people move frequently in our society today, move away, you know, oftentimes for jobs. I got this job opportunity, and it's in Arizona. I got this job opportunity in Washington, whatever. And, and, and they'll be quick to move for a little bit more money. Well, I can get $5 more an hour. Or whatever, or I'm going to make, I'm going to make big bucks or something, and, but I have to move with my job. Don't be so quick to take that. 
far too often, I'm talking to believers now, people put making more money or the different job ahead of the kingdom. They don't pray about it. They don't know where they're going to go to church when they arrive. Uh, they, they don't know. All the, the most important things in life are put secondary to a new job or this opportunity. Or I just want to be by family. And that's not a bad motive per se, and you can do it if you want. But there are a lot more factors to life that will produce a, a, that will contribute to a satisfaction and contentment than just, hey, this job or this, just a couple minor things. Everybody with me today? Pray. Seek God. Know what you're getting into. Know where you're going. Is it really, is it really a God thing? Because how many know sometimes when people uh, pick up, move, then their kids backslide because they never got into good church? Huh? Then the job didn't turn out to be what it was, what they thought it would be. I've, I know people with situations, they moved all the way across the country to the East Coast. Two weeks later, they moved all the way back. <laughs> I mean, a ma- major deal because what was promised didn't happen and, and all these kind of things didn't, didn't play out. You know, we have an advantage. He's called the Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He'll show us things to come. You've got to take time. You've got to take time to, to wait on him sometimes until you're really certain. All right? Anyway, uh, again, sometimes in, in, in these kind of situations, people have expectations of what a church ought to be, and it's based on some other church that probably was awesome. But why did you leave there? Hmm? I mean, one, if it was really so great, you might consider staying. Because God can find you there and bless you and help you. And, but if it really is a good choice to leave, then you really, just, you know, you just can't expect someone else to be another, you know, if you had a spouse, you know, if you were in a previous marriage and you got married again, all of a sudden you expect your spouse to do everything that your former spouse did as far as responsibilities and just, you know, the whole gamut of, of marriage. Well, that's unfair to that new spouse. Everybody with me now? Hallelujah. What about Friendships. People have disappoint, disappointments in their life concerning their friends. Sometimes it's just, you know, uh, they expect their friends to be a certain thing, to act a certain way, to do certain things for them. And when they don't, uh, then they're dissatisfied. Then they start to put pressure. You should act like this. If you're going to be my friend, you have to act this way. You have to do these things. Here's a good, here's a good rule of thumb for that. Don't expect people to do anything for you. And then be blessed and thankful if they ever do. You know, we can talk about your job. We can talk about a lot of different areas. But if you find yourself consistently disappointed, analyze your expectations. Are they where they ought to be? Okay. Uh, This is not to say that we'll never experience some kind of disappointment in life. We live in a fallen world and people will do the wrong things and and that kind of stuff, but we must know how to deal with it. You can't control everything in the world, but I tell you, when we put our trust in the Lord and our expectations are accurate concerning Him, uh, I'm not talking about unbelieving individuals who want us to constantly lower our expectations. I would be accused of, at times, getting people's hopes up. I desire to get people's hopes up 
You know, sometimes people talk about that when it comes to healing and things like that. Well, you don't want to get people's hopes up. Of course I do. I want to get them so high, so stinking high, that there's nothing that can happen except a manifestation of God all over them. All right? And so, well, you don't want to get their hopes. I want to get their hopes way up. That's a confident expectation of God to move in their life. But it's based not on just flimsy foundation. It's based on the reality of God's Word. It's that house that is built upon the rock that can stand, withstand the storm. Amen. Praise God. Well, that took me, I got a lot more to say. <laughs> Amen. But look, I'll, I'm gonna get, I'll come back and get to it next week. Everybody okay with that? Yeah. You guys come to the early service. We got to finish up. And, uh, but the Lord, there are expectations that are right. Have them. There are expectations that are out of line, that are not right, that are not based on a solid foundation. Let's adjust those. And these will contribute to us living a fulfilled and satisfied life. Amen? Amen. Father, we're so thankful today for what you're doing in us. Thankful for your words, for your promises. Lord, thankful, thankful for your, your grace and your favor that are upon us. Lord, we acknowledge you today in all of our ways. And you direct our paths.